Hello and welcome to another episode of Riding Unicorns, the podcast that celebrates high growth businesses and the people behind them. Today we have Rika Rosenland, founder and CEO of Borrow My Doggy, which aims to leave poor prints of happiness on the lives of dogs and people. Welcome to the podcast, Rika. And thank you so much for inviting me, James. Very excited to speak with you. Great, thanks. So Rika, please can you give us a background on your career and what you did up to starting Borrow My Doggy? Yes, I have done lots of different things. I started out studying business and economics at an American university in Paris. And I also took a year abroad in Mexico, where I studied at UDLA in Puebla. And after finishing, I worked at the OECD in Paris for several years, mostly as a statistician. And then from there, I wanted to go and explore the world a bit more. So I went backpacking through Central and South America. And on the way, I passed through Panama, absolutely loved it. So at the end of the trip, I went to Panama and I um, ended up working for a big Panamanian corporation where I set up an automobile company under what was called the Grupo Fasa, which is an amazing experience. I did that for a while and then I decided I wanted to come back to Europe and I always wanted an MBA. So I enrolled at INSEAD and I did an MBA between France and Singapore. And then after that, I came to the UK where I worked in financial services for several years, um, mainly at American Express in marketing and business development. Yeah. And then clearly now I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, which is a very different life. <laughs> That's awesome. So was it straight from Amex into Borrow My Doggy? No, it wasn't. Um, I borrowed a very cute brown Labrador called Aston. And we spent the entire day together. And I just remember thinking, why are people spending so much money on dog walkers or kennels or leaving their dog home alone when I would love to take care of a dog for free? And I thought there should be a website connecting people like me with local dog owners because everyone would benefit, you know, you know, dog owners would get help taking care of their dog. Boris, we would get that happy dog time and dogs would really be the biggest winners because they would get more love and attention. So I told one of my friends about the idea who's actually one of the partners at SeatCamp. And he said to me that I think it's like 60 to 70% of startup companies that go bust in the first three to four years and around 90% in the first 10 years. So he said, before you go and quit your well-paying job, then please go out and test that people really want to use a platform like Born My Doggy. So I went to the Lean Startup Machine, which some people will know, some people won't know. So essentially it's a kind of a methodology in order to help test um, what consumers want. So say this is, I don't know, 25 years ago when you want to test if people want to sell shoes online, Obviously, what you could do is you could, you know, travel to Italy, find a shoemaker, come back to the UK, set up a distribution location, build a website, integrate payment solutions and all that stuff that takes about a year of your life and probably all your savings. Or the alternative way you can do it is you can run down and buy shoes at your local shoe shop, put them out on a landing page and that you can do in literally a weekend and then you can try to start selling them. So we went to the Lean Startup Machine and what ended up happening was I pitched the idea and there was about 60 of us and the Bore My Doggy idea came in as number one. So we built the landing page in a couple of hours, put up posters on Hampstead Heath and then all of a sudden, you know, we had 85 people signed up in the space of three days. It was absolutely amazing. So we've asked people why they had signed up, that beautiful little question of, you know, why? 
And people literally wrote paragraphs. There was an old man in Cornwall who just had an operation who needed um, help taking care of his dog for long walks because he couldn't do it. There was lots of students and young professionals missing their um, dog at home who wanted to borrow a dog. And then there was a family with a little girl who was begging for a dog but she was still scared of them. And um, the family didn't want to get a dog to maybe have to give it up. And when I read that, I just started crying. And I thought, oh my God, not another little girl without a dog. We must help her. So it literally turned into a very personal mission for me to kind of help this little girl and everyone else who initially signed up to get some happy dog time. So this was never started as a company. This was just kind of one thing that happened after another, after another. So after that, we very quickly got media attention. And then all of a sudden we were in the Daily Mail and the BBC and then we had thousands of people signed up and I did manual matching of everyone to begin with, which was about 55 manual emails for one match. To begin with, I went to everyone's house. So obviously it's been an interesting journey, but I definitely feel that it's something that our lovely members have really been pushing for and then we've just been trying to keep up yeah so you immediately hit traction essentially and how important would you say it is to find your customers and speak to them as as early as possible I think it's very important you speak with your customers. Um, or for us, our case, we call them our community because you have so many ideas about what people want and very often what they want and what you want to build might not be the same thing. So before you use your resources or very limited resources for most people's cases, then it's very important you really understand what your members want. So in our case, the fact that I went to everyone's houses to begin with, you know, my biggest question was how will you feel comfortable trusting another person with your beloved furry family member? Like that was a really big question to understand. And from a borrower's perspective is also understand why have you signed up to borrow my doggy? Why haven't you just gone ahead and gotten your own dog? And then trying to understand like, how can you match those two parts to build a really strong relationship? So for me, it was really, you know, spending so much time up front and gosh, did we make many wrong assumptions to begin with, including to begin with, I, I almost felt, you know, maybe I should help tell them who would be good matches for them. But obviously sometimes who people want to match with and who they actually end up matching with is night and day. So hence, we built our platform really based on what our members have asked for. Yeah. And so you had customers and you had a first version of the product, which was quite manual, but then you wanted to make it more technical. So did you raise money or did you hire? How did you go about moving from kind of spreadsheets to full blown tech product? Yeah, I think again, it was, it was kind of the community that kind of pulled in the direction of what we had to build first, because people would sign up. It was just a landing page and it was these woofoo forms with um, data capture forms. And our community very quickly ended up saying, hey, I've just submitted a profile to you. How do I go in and modify it? And obviously they couldn't because it was just a backend like <laughs> data capture forms. So that was very quickly the first thing that we had to build because once you get a certain amount of emails, you realize there's absolutely no way that you can do this manually anymore. So the way everything happened and the company was launched was really based on how many people we had asking for one specific thing first. And um, we built the website little by little and we obviously needed funding to do so. So that's where we went out and, and literally started raising our first seed round. And how did you go about that? Who was the first person you spoke to when you thought, I need to raise the money? I spoke with everyone and their mother, like literally. <laughs> I did an MBA at INSEAD, as I mentioned. So we pitched at INSEAD. I have a lot of um, entrepreneur friends. I asked 
everyone if they could give me introductions. I looked up angel investment clubs where I went out and pitched. Um, and actually the place where I ended up getting the most investors from, or the most funding from, was I went to a birthday party and I was telling one of my friends about now I, we needed to raise some funding. And she's like, oh, this guy over here, he runs an investment club. And so this was around 11 o'clock in the evening. And we sat down and had a good chat while we had a drink. And, and then he's like, yeah, send me an email tomorrow. And then obviously I did so. And then he introduced me to the investment club. And then another one um, of our investors came in. I'm a part of this startup community. And I went on a trip with them and I was, for instance, on a skiing lift and I was sitting telling one guy about, you know, what I was doing. And then he happened to be an angel investor. So he ended up later on coming in and putting some funding into the company. Even one time in the tube, I was standing with some colleagues. We were not mentioning the company's name and we didn't mention it was for my doggy. We were just talking about kind of some stuff we were working on. And there was a guy who then essentially kind of tapped me on my shoulder and he said, I am a super angel. I'm here in town from the US. He's like, I'm getting off a next stop. If you want to, you can pitch me. <laughs> so, so I did. I sat down next to him. I pitched him in one stop and he gave me his business card. <laughs> and we ended up meeting up later at Seedcap. So we ended up not being the right company for him. But still, like I just goes to show that it's between friends, it's between entrepreneurs, it's between completely random people. And I think that's how Bore My Dog has happened to begin with. There's been so much randomness, but also so much luck, though I also do believe that the harder you work, the more luck you get. So there's been a, obviously like any other entrepreneur, a lot of work involved along the way. Yeah. When did it sink in that you'd launched a business that lots of people knew about and were using and when did it just kind of feel like it was successful? I think a lot of different things has happened along the way. I think one big thing was when Borrow My Doggy had more friends on Facebook than I did. And I was like, who are these people? <laughs> and then another thing that happened was, um, this was early stages, I went um, for a picnic um, that one of my neighbors was organizing in a local park. And there was an Italian guy there. And all of a sudden, he just started telling me about four of my doggy. And it was like the weirdest thing. <laughs> and my neighbor obviously started to laugh because, you know, he realized that I was getting pitched my own company. <laughs> so <laughs> that, that was very odd. But even later on, there was one morning I had borrowed a dog and I was walking to work and we met another guy with the dog and the two dogs were obviously sniffing at each other. And, and then I asked him about his dog and he's like, oh, it's not my dog. It's I borrowed it from borrowed my doggy. And again, I was like, wow, I was like, this is just so odd. So yeah, there's, there's been so many things and it's just, it's just been all these like randomnesses that you just don't expect that kind of has really made me think wow maybe there is something to this idea <laughs> yeah so. that must have been an amazing feeling bumping into the mm. guy on the mm. common <laughs> also was borrowing a dog so lots of things have gone really well what what's been a big challenge that you you guys have had to overcome along the way I wouldn't say one big challenge. I would say it's a series of constant challenges you go through. For us, the whole piece of really understanding how to build trust between two people um, was one of the first things. And we had a lot of people saying, wow, I would never do this. And then they would say, I would never hand my my kid over to a stranger, which actually, when you think of it, we use nurseries, we use schools, our kids go and play with neighbors, 
you know, kids or friends or whatnot. So, so it's really understanding about how do you change people's perception that it's not about handing a dog over to a stranger. It's about giving the dog to somebody who is your local friend and that you are trusting and then they, they trust you. So the whole way of how we started of really going over and meeting people and, and understanding how they would trust someone was incredibly valuable. And also figuring out the process about, it was about people meeting up, getting to know each other well before a dog is taken care of by another person. So the way the site works is people sign up, they create a profile, they write a bit about themselves and the dog, and then they search for local members, first and foremost, based on location and then availability. And then it was about getting to know each other well. So figuring out that whole trust elements and then really constantly just communicating it. I've seen a tremendous change since we started to where we are now, where people, you know, accept the concept of borrow my doggy and, and understand that it's about building friendships um, in your local community. And even during COVID, we've seen people delivering food from to each other, medication to each other. It's really about local communities and great amount of people have to have become good friends. We have people who are who's spending Christmas together, who's ended up moving in together, some borrowers have ended up taking care of dogs for you know a longer term or somebody even on a permanent basis, whether it's been due to COVID or other circumstances. So, so it has really been building that whole trust between the two parties. I will also say fundraising hasn't been easy. I think if you build a company perhaps where there is a company that already does what you're doing, maybe even another place where it's a little bit more kind of accepted business model, then it's probably also a bit easier with fundraising so one of our investors he was the first investor in essentially what was match.com and he said to me that whenever they started online dating a lot of people would say why would i ever do online dating i would be afraid of getting you know killed or raped or something along those lines and now it used to be 25 percent of people meeting online also probably much more now during COVID. So it just sometimes takes time to, to change and people's perception of, of how an industry should work. Like an, another example is Uber. When Uber first started, there was no way I was ever going to go into a stranger's car. And after some of my best friends consistently survived, then I thought, huh, maybe it is for me too. But to begin with, my idea was this might not be the safest thing to do. I always promised my parents I would never go into a stranger's car. And then all of a sudden, you know, we've all changed behavior and it's the best thing, you know, ever. Yeah, we used Borrow My Doggy in London uh, when we got our first dog. And you're completely right. We ended up building this friendship with a guy who lived just around the corner. And he did things like picked up parcels for us and we helped him out a couple of times. And it, it, it really is powerful, that bond. And obviously you share, it's almost like love for, for the animal as well, which is very, very bonding. That's the reason for our subscription model too, that it's, there's no money changing hands between the owner and the borrower. Everything is for the love of dogs. And the borrowers obviously get that happy dog time without having the full-time commitment or cost of having a dog. And the owners obviously um, get help and make sure that dog is socialized and get more exercise, etc. So the fact that, that none of the two parts are doing it for financial reasons. It's really something that helps build that bond between local people. And, and we love seeing it. I mean, the amount of stories that we have where we have just had just really lovely feedback is amazing. I think one of them was we had a 70-year-old woman who borrowed a dog and went for a walk and she met an 80-year-old man and they ended up getting married. It's, it's stuff like that we get, you know, if not on a daily basis, then for sure a couple of times a week. And it's so heartwarming. Yeah, that's amazing. 
what's next for Borrow My Doggy and where do you want to take it? So I think we've only scratched the surface of how big we can become. So hence, it is literally just improving our platform and just focusing on delivering portraits of happiness on, on the lives of, of dogs and people. So doing much more of, of what we're currently doing. And we're doing everything we can to get the word out about Born My Doggy, and which is obviously really needed. Any startup company to grow is, is how do you attract as many members and customers as possible? And I will say, um, obviously, it's been a lot of hard work. This was never have happened had we not also had an incredible amount of support from other entrepreneurs and advisors and obviously investors, etc. And our community has been absolutely fantastic in, in helping us share the um, spread the word on on our behalf too. So um, a lot of luck, but also we've received so much help along the way, which I'm so thankful for. If you were to have started another company in the world, if you look at another business, which which company do you admire and sort of think, you know, I wish I could have started a company like that? I like Calm a lot. They have just exploded since they started. I think they only launched their, their first products back in, what, 2016 or something along those lines and now have a crazy valuation. But what they do is they also help a lot of people, which I think is fantastic. So it's, they have built the company, they've scaled it really quickly, and they're doing a lot of good for a lot of people. So I think it's fantastic. And, and I know Michael Acton-Smith, and he's an absolutely fantastic founder too. So I have so much respect, um, respect for them. So I would have been loved to be part of that, <laughs> um, that um, startup company too. Yeah, Calm is a brilliant, brilliant business. And if there was someone you could go for a working lunch with, who would that be? In the moment, if I could go for lunch with someone, it probably would be family and friends because I am missing that a bit. And if it comes to somebody that I am quite fascinated by, there is a, um, a Danish entrepreneur where he's, um, he's, he's actually probably even the richest man in Denmark. His name is Anders Holt Poulsen, and he has built um, a lot of clothing companies. Uh, he's also, I think, the biggest private land owner in the UK, and he has a lot of land in Scotland, where he's doing a lot of, of work to restore the land, which I just find amazing. So he's built this amazing company that has scaled incredibly well too. And then at the same time, he's also doing a lot for the environment. So I really love the fact that he's done both things. And, and often when I hear about him in news too i find i'm quite impressed by some of the things like bestseller his, his danish company they obviously got furlough money from the danish government but then they ended up paying it back because they actually ended up not being that impacted from a revenue perspective and profit perspective so doing things like that where you do what is right but for many parties and i do respect that an, an awful lot and also even from a private perspective there are some things that he has gone through where it's been really tough times and, and i admire how he seems to have gone through some of them so yeah, I would be intrigued to, to meet with him. He's also an investor, which is not a bad thing either. <laughs> so yes, it's all about putting people around you that I think you can learn from and that you are inspired by and who would help motivate you. Well, I mean, that's a brilliant note to end on. Thank you so much, Rika. It's been great to hear your riding unicorn story. And there's lots of great tidbits in there for other founders who want to start something and build a community around their product. So thank you very much. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's been great chatting with you and also hearing about how you're using Borrow My Doggy. So thank you so much again.
it was great chatting to Rika and understanding how she built a product to solve her own problem. And it's a product that brings a lot of happiness to a lot of people. It's a really great company and I believe it has a lot of potential going forwards. Thanks very much for listening. Next week, we have Harry Hugo, co-founder of The Goat Agency, the fastest growing influencer marketing agency in the world. Should be a good one.